It's so awesome to have, uh, or to be here, sorry, <laughs> to have the privilege of being here. Uh, and uh, we really appreciate the offer from uh, Tucker and Kate. Yeah, got it right. Nailed it. Shop Facebook. <laughs> We've never met, you see. I'm looking forward to afterwards because then I get to say hello. Um, and Paul, man, Paul's the man, eh? Didn't he do a good job, MC? So who was at the, uh, the Fight vs. Disrupt Soccer and Touch? That was pretty good, eh? So Fight won Soccer, 1-0. And uh, someone else won Touch. <laughs> and uh, while we're playing soccer... I came up against Paul, and the ball bounced, like it was a big one, and it came and it bounced, and it bounced up real high again, and Paul jumped up to take the ball, and I just wound up this massive kick, and went to kick the ball, and completely missed the ball, because I'm that coordinated, and kicked him in the knee, and I went to the ground, and I was like, ah, and I had to, I had to crawl off, like I yelled medic, but no one came, and I had to crawl off. And, uh, and I'm sitting there on the sideline, and Haley was there, and, and she's like, are you okay? And I take my shoe off, and it was like bruising already. And, uh, and then I look around for Paul. Where is he? He must be nailed. Like, I kicked him real hard, and he goes, back out there. And honestly, two days later, hey, I, I couldn't walk. I was like this, and it felt like his knee kicked my foot. Seriously, the guy is a tank. I'd like to see uh, him, him versus our tank, Mitchell. Yeah, he's the man. How you guys doing anyway? Good? Awesome. Uh, well, my name's Kirk, and this is my beautiful wife, Emel. So everyone, you, you can say hello. And uh, my beautiful wife is pregnant. Yeah! She's, uh, she's 19 weeks pregnant, which means next week we find out if it's a boy or a girl. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, and it means that we're halfway through. And so we're, we're so excited and feel so blessed and uh, just loving this season of life. But I met Mel five, five years ago, five and a bit years ago. Got my stats. Uh, I actually met Mel at Fight. How cool is that? And um, Mel's from South Africa. Anyone from South Africa? Yeah. My wife can speak, click. So can I. Doza. I can't. Um, and, and my wife got to travel a lot, and so she traveled uh, around, and she's seen a lot more countries than I have, but she went to London, and there she uh, got radically saved. Eh? And, um, and then she went back to South Africa, and then she thought she'd come see her parents uh, in little old Wellington. And she just wanted to stop in, because she's like... I got to see the world. I got to see the big places. And Wellington sounds small and tiny. And uh, she came to Wellington to see her parents. And she went along to the Rock Church and uh, got involved in fight. And then she met me. And she stayed. And she got married and never left. Yeah. That's a good story. Yeah. Skucks. And um, that's an oldie, but a goodie. Skucks. 2009, we got married. And we got married at The Rock, met at The Rock, engaged at The Rock, married at The Rock. Wow. It all happened at The Rock. And um, 
Have the baby at the rock? <laughs> Potentially. Baptism pool. Baptism pool. No. Can we borrow your baptism pool? <laughs> um, lost my train of thought. And uh, so 2009, and we... <laughs> shut up, Darren. <laughs> Better not go on Facebook right now. Um, so we served at Fight, and, and I came on board as a youth leader, and so did Mel, and we got to serve at Fight, and, uh, which stands for a generation that's fought for, invested in for today, and for eternity. And uh, Johnny and Bex were the youth pastors, Johnny and Bex Gilling, and they, um, they started Fight, they took it on, and they uh, started it five years ago, and they are two of our absolute best friends. Um, he married us. She was in our bridal party. Um, they discipled us. They taught us what it means to not so much lead, but follow, follow Christ, what it means to, um, to love people, how to lead an environment uh, of people, how to, how to discern truth and how to contend for truth. And so we just absolutely uh, loved, I guess, growing up in our relationship uh, with them and then going through pre-marriage counselling with them and uh, did the works. And, and they just, yeah, they're awesome. So I'm going to tell you, what I want to tell you a bit about tonight is our story, right? How we came to be here uh, as youth pastors at The Rock. And, um, and yeah, I reckon it's a pretty cool story. So 2009, we get married and life's pretty busy. I, I love being busy. Busy, busy, busy. So I'll tell you a little bit about what I did. I worked two days a week at a surf shop called Real Surf on Lowell Bay Beach. It was awesome. Started at 10 a.m. Yeah. None of this 8 till 5 stuff. Like 10 a.m., that's a good start. And, um, and then on Wednesday and Thursday, I worked at Zeal. Has anyone heard of Zeal in town? So Zeal's an awesome place. And uh, I didn't so much do the Friday night and Saturday night dance parties and raves and um, gigs and stuff. But my role was to travel around schools and take bands. And so uh, I got to run lunchtime concerts and uh, tour with some pretty cool artists. And, but my main role was to uh, build relationships with, resource, and equip uh, Christian leaders to run Christian groups in high schools. And so that was just its a real passion of mine, still is. And um, it was awesome. I got to attend Christian groups and uh, we'd run these big concerts and then we'd get the Christian group to host it. And so the school's like, 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 like we'd pack out school halls and some big band was playing. And, uh, and then the Christian group leader would get up and say, thanks to Zeal, um, but we, we hosted this. And so the school's going, wow, these Christians are awesome. And then all these people would come along to Christian group, which is the next day, and uh, pack it out. It was awesome evangelism talk. And then Friday, I uh, worked at The Rock, and I was uh, an intern under Johnny and helped make uh, Friday nights happen. And uh, Mel was working two days a week at a, at a clothes shop. Three days. It doesn't matter. It was, it was a few days at a clothes shop, and she also worked at Zeal with me. So the cool thing about Mel and I is we've always worked together. And uh, we're a team. They call us Kermel. <laughs> and uh, we got a number plate. Haley and, and a few others bought us a number plate saying Kermel. 
It's very cool. And then the last thing that I, uh, I got to do, so I got to run all the events and run concerts and stuff, and, and the last thing I got to do is I got to surf. Is anyone, anyone surfer here, surfing? Yeah. So I was super blessed, right, to get to the point where I got paid to go surfing. Yeah. And I got paid to travel the country, travel the world sometimes, and um, we got to go away for weekends and we'd go uh, to different beaches and we'd stay in our van and um, we'd, we'd wake up on a new, a new beautiful beach because we'd leave after fight, so we'd leave at 10 o'clock and then get there at like 4 a.m., camp, wake up in the morning and then do the contest. And, um, and uh, we, got to, we got to see some beautiful places and, and I was just like, this is awesome, God, you've blessed me so much and I'm just doing exactly what I want to do. And I always thought about um, Johnny, and I had so much respect for him. I was like, I don't know if I could be a youth pastor. I couldn't, I couldn't, like, I couldn't do that. I, I love being out and about and, and doing stuff. And uh, he changed my heart. It's coming. The other thing that I loved about 2009 is we got um, the house of our dreams, really. We, we were renting in Titahi Bay, and it was a two-bedroom a uh, three-bedroom, two-story house. It was, like, brand new, and it was right next to the beach. Um, and it was just epic. And we had we had bands like... Has anyone heard of Mum's Dollar? Yeah. My all-time favourite band. Um, back at Parachute this year, eh? Yeah. And uh, they stayed at our house. We cooked them pancakes in the morning. We had Jury and the Saints stay at our house. Um, so we got to hang out with these pretty cool people and, and our house, we're like, come back to our place, it's cool, it's by the beach and stuff. And um, so here's where it all changed. So one night after a Sunday night service, um, Mel and I went home, had dinner, got into bed and uh, we just started praying. And I clearly heard God say, quit your jobs and go serve under Johnny and Bex full time. Don't get paid, I'll sort everything out. And immediately I went, that's not me. That's got to be God. Because there was this peace. Has anyone felt the peace of God come over them? And uh, so that was there. And I was like, Mel's going to think I'm crazy. (laughs) And so I lean over and I'm like, darling, I think God's telling us to quit our jobs, quit everything we're doing, and to go and serve under Johnny and Bex. And that peace came upon her. And we said, okay. We prayed about it. We put it to God. And... um, went to sleep. Now, who's ever heard from God, like, do this, and you say, I'll think about it, or I'll pray about it. That's the awesome, uh, I'll pray about it. And you forget about it. Has anyone forgotten about it? Until you're reminded a week or so later, or God asks someone else to do it, uh, and you see them do something that you knew was actually supposed to be for you. Like, like maybe tonight, God said, bring, bring this word for someone. Or pray this over someone. And you're like, oh, I don't know if that's me. I don't know if that's me or God. And then you hear the person next to you pray it. Did anyone have that tonight? Maybe another time. But um, So we couldn't leave it. We couldn't wait. Um, we couldn't pray about it for too long. We needed to act on what God said. And so 10 a.m., we went to, to our workplaces and uh, I handed in my resignation two weeks to, to uh, my surf shop boss. Mel did the same to her boss. Uh, I called up Brooke at Zeal and explained it, and he's, he's the man. And he's like, yep, 
I hear it, I hear you. And, um, and I thought, the surfing, I'll keep that. I can keep that, that's, that's sweet. I'll just be able to do that as well as, as serve. And, uh, and so Mel and I, we quit our jobs. And we called up Johnny and Bex and we said, we've got some extremely exciting news to tell you guys. We need to come to your house for dinner because <laughs> we don't have any money in a couple of weeks. Um, we need to come to your house for dinner. When can we come? And they said, oh, our next available night is Tuesday next week. So we're like, okay, a week, a week. Has anyone ever heard from God, taken a massive leap of faith, and then had to wait a period of time? Who knows what happens in that period of time? The word of God gets tested. He throws doubt in the mix. Maybe a little bit of worry, a little bit of anxiety. And you just freak out. And so honestly, straight up, I'm like a man's man. I was crying every night. Because first year of marriage, and I'm like, I've got to be the provider. I've got to make sure there's shelter over my wife. There's food in her belly. And, and, I'm, and, I, and it starts to kick in. A, a whole week where I'm like, we, the days are counting down till we don't get paid anymore. I come home to our house and realize as I'm driving down the driveway, I'm not going to have a house anymore. And I freak out. And what we needed to do was, has anyone heard of, um, heard of lesson of the first mention? Of the first mention? So when God first mentioned it in the Bible, um, and he's consistent all the way through. And so we took, we took this principle and we needed to every night and sometimes during the day call up and just be like, remember what he said. Remember what he said. He said, quit your jobs, be faithful to me, take a step of faith and I'll provide. I'll look out for you. I'll take care of everything else. And so the week was hard, but um, it was pretty rewarding. So come to Tuesday night. And we go around to Johnny and Bex's house. We rush in, rush down the hallway, take a seat on the couch, and get all excited. Like, sit down, we've got something to tell you. And they're like, oh, you really do have something to tell us. And so, so we, uh, we get them down and we're like, okay, here's what happened. God told us to quit our jobs and come and serve under you guys full time for free and not do anything else. And they look at each other and crack up laughing. And... And we look at each other and we're like, they're laughing at us. <laughs> like, not laughing with us. There's a difference. <laughs> laughing at us. Um, but then they look at us and they say, well, that's funny. Because Monday last week, at about 10 a.m., God spoke to us separately. Johnny was driving in the car and Bex was taking the dog for a walk. And he said, quit your jobs. Kirk and Mel are going to come on as youth pastors. And I've got something else for you. <laughs> How's that? How's that? So there's absolute confirmation right there. And instantly we're just like, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We know that you're in control of this. You've got this together. And, uh, and so we all get excited together. We're like, okay, God's obviously doing something. God's obviously doing something. And uh, so we begin, we begin this process of transition of, um, of, I guess, learning how to be youth pastors. And uh, it, was, it was pretty freaky at, at times. And when reality kicked in, like the day we had to move out of our house, uh, it was like, oh, okay, things are changing. My life is changing. The seasons come to an end. And God, now I need to 
listen for your word and obey because that's where I'm at now. <laughs> you said, so I'm here now. And uh, we moved out of our house and we got to move in with Johnny and Bex. Uh, so we downgraded in our heads, that's what we thought, but we actually far, far, far more upgraded because we got to live with the people that um, discipled us, that taught us everything we know because I don't know if you um, hang out with Tucker and Kate much during the week, but being a youth pastor isn't just what happens on a Friday night. And, and there's a whole lot that goes into the week. And so we got to, to learn what they did in their secret place um, because that's the, that's the environment that matters. And um, so we got to spend six months, it ended up being six months with Johnny and Bex. And we ended up spending the last of our money and we were just cruising on God's blessing. And uh, a lesson that we learned in that time was when God orders something, he pays for it. When he orders something, he pays for it. So a telecom bill came through. Uh, maybe you wouldn't have your own telecom bill in your name. Oh yeah, cell phones. But has anyone got a, a telecom bill for your cell phone and then you've done an early cancellation um, or an early termination? Has anyone done that? Okay, so what happens is in the fine print, which you never read, there's a fine print that says, if you end this early, we'll charge you 200 bucks. Yeah. And, uh, and so we got this bill for $200 and then another bill on top of that for $147.91 um, for internet or something like that. And we're like, oh no, how are we going to pay for this? Oh, let's just put it aside, we'll, we'll remember it in a couple of weeks. And so a couple of months went by and, uh, and they kept sending us letters and I'm being like, oh, I'm not being very responsible. <laughs> but I haven't actually prayed about this, I haven't given it to God. And so we went back, we're like, God, you said that if, if we stepped out in obedience, if we listened, if we obeyed and uh, walked in faith, that you would provide for us. You bought it, you ordered it, I mean, so are you going to pay for it? And uh, we, we spent one night, we just go, God, we just give you this bill, uh, we give you this, this $447.91 to you, we have no money in our account, can you take care of it? The next morning we get up and there's a letter in the mail from Telecom. And my immediate thought is they're going to start taking my stuff away. <laughs> the repossession guys are going to come around and like start taking the gilling stuff because we don't have any. But, um, but it says, uh, amount owing, zero dollars and zero cents. Uh, thank you for your payment, $447. And uh, yeah, God's awesome, eh? And we sort of stood there and we're like, okay, we didn't tell anyone about it. Um, he took care of it. And we never had to ask any questions. And I could honestly tell you story after story after story of how God has just provided when we've needed him to. When he's ordered it, we just ask him and he's provided. And, uh, and I totally don't believe that's because, um, because he just wants to like, give his people money and stuff like that. I think it's when um, when you're living in alignment, when you're doing what he's asking you to do, that his grace is upon it. And he's so loaded, $447 is nothing. 
Um, but the, the lesson for me wasn't the money. It was actually, where's my heart at? And do I trust him? Do I trust him enough to put all of my faith in him? Do I trust him enough to be able to step out into something new um, and learn it? And so here we are. We're youth pastors um, of the rock. And, and honestly, like I said earlier, I, I thought I'd never want to do that. Now there's nothing I'd actually rather do. Um, there's no place I'd rather be. I'd, I could live there. We could live in our office. We've done a few sleepovers. Um, but honestly, God has just done such a transformation in my heart, in our heart. Um, he's shown us things that are so exciting that we just we can't wait to see what he's going to do next. And um, the surfing part. That was, that was one of the last straws. Because I, I said to God, all right, he started teaching me about doing one thing and doing it well. Because I still wanted to have my hand in all these different pies. But he was saying, no, do this one thing and do it well. And the surfing was the last one. And so I said to him, God, if you really want me to do this, you're going to have to take the desire for surfing away from me. And now I've, done, I've surfed since I was like six years old. And I just love it. I'd get the shakes if I hadn't surfed that week. Sam would, Sam would testify. <laughs> um, and, and I said, God, you're going to have to take this desire away from me. And he did. He, he took the desire to, to want to go surfing, to always thinking about surfing, to just focusing on what he's saying, what he's doing. And months would go by and I'd realize, oh, I haven't surfed in, in ages. And it was, a, it was a confirmation for you, eh, darling, that, that God was in it. <laughs> because it was just one of those realities that it might sound small to you, but to me it was, it was like my whole world. And now this journey of seeking first the kingdom of God and all else will be added to you. And two years later, he started to give it back to me. I always knew it was for a season, but he started to place that back in my heart. And so... Me and Sam are doing road trips, and we're surfing all the time, and, and I'm just loving it again. Because honestly, I, I got to the point where I was like, i just got to go surfing, it'll make me feel better. And I'd go out, and, and there'd be nothing. There wouldn't be that adrenaline, that joy. Um, it's crazy. He's crazy. He's crazy. Can you open your Bible to John 6? Everyone got their Bibles, or their iPads, or their iPhones, or their smartphones? John chapter 6. What God's been teaching us at Fight and at The Rock is that faith and obedience are just two of so many keys that draw us closer to intimacy with Him. And uh, that's where He wants us. He wants us to truly know Him truly know God, not know about him or know of him or know the things that he does, but to truly know him, to know his nature, to know um, his heart for people. And uh, so we've just been going on this incredible journey, this incredible process of being made like him in every way. And so I just want to pull um, a few things out of John chapter 6. We all there? Yeah. 
Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. So he's got all these people following him because they'd seen the miraculous signs and the wonders that he'd been doing. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up, he saw a great crowd coming towards him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not be enough to buy bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. And the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. 5,000 men, plus the women and children. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. That's so like God, eh? Distributed as much as they wanted. So not enough, but as much as they wanted. So that the greedy ones could take heaps more. Like Hezekiah. Yeah. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered and filled the twelve baskets. Jump with me over to verse 24. So, 5,000 people or more have just had a massive feed. Right? A massive feed of bread and fish. Jesus gave them as much as they wanted. And then we get to 24, verse 24. And they have obviously had a great night's sleep. They all crashed out there. Jesus wanted to feed them there so that they didn't go away. And, um, and then they wake up in the morning, and I could just imagine it. They're like, oh, man, that was an awesome feed, eh, yesterday? They're like, yeah, that guy, Jesus, passed it all out, and we all had so much food to eat. Yeah, Jesus is the man. Oh, where is he? I don't know. I, I, I was just doing my own thing. Where is he? And so we, we jumped to 24, once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got in the boats and went to Capernaum, or that might be right, in search of Jesus. And um, what God's been speaking to me about is that we lose him because we use him. Uh, I think so often in youth ministry, we can go after the big feed, we go after the, the miracle or the incredible night. It's like, yeah, more of Jesus, more of Jesus. And then we come to Monday morning and we've lost him. We lost him because we took our eyes off him. We lost him because um, we just continued doing our own thing. Or we just chilled out and enjoyed just laxing. But Jesus kept moving forward. And, um, and what he's been speaking to me about so much is that he, uh, he wants us to know him, to walk with him, to be with him at all times, to enjoy uh, the miracles that he brings uh, the blessing that he pours out, but to remain in him. And, uh, and what this shows me is that these guys 
they all had a massive feed and then they lost him. I'm like, man, if, if I followed this guy and then he provided this awesome feed, I, I probably wouldn't take my eyes off him. I probably wouldn't let him just wander off and then get in a boat and go across. Well, he didn't get in a boat. He walked across the water to the other side of the lake. I'd be the one wanting to stand on the water going, he's walking on the water. But these guys fell asleep and they did their own things and they took their eyes off him. Then we come down to verse 26 or 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Here he goes, he schools them. I tell you the truth. You were looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. And now you're hungry again. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. And uh, what's interesting to me is back in John chapter 4, we have the, the woman at the well. And he says to her, don't, don't keep coming out here to get the water that will just run dry or you'll, you'll run out of it. If you come to me, I can give you the water that will never make you go thirsty again because it's living water. And here he's talking about living food. And, uh, and we carry on through John chapter 6. And just below this, they asked him, what must we do? So he said, don't, don't go after the food that's going to spoil. Eat the food that will give you eternal life. And they say, what must we do? What must we do? And that stuck out to me because for me, I've always thought I needed to do things in order to please God or to receive this thing called eternal life. I've always thought I needed to, to do more or to, to, to serve more or to do this. And he goes on in chapter 6 and he talks about, no, you just need to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Take part with me. Get to know me. Know who I am. And it's kind of a weird um, picture to think about. But if you, if you truly look at what he's saying, he's just saying, be intimate with me. Be intimate with me because I provide living water, living food that won't run out. And then we get to the end of John chapter 6. And this is where it guts me in verse 66. From this time, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed him. So it got too hard. What, he, what his teaching, what he was saying, it was just too hard. And so they bailed. They said, no, nah, we're out. We're not going to buy into that. I can't, I can't follow you if, if that's what it means. I just wanted the food. I just wanted the, um, the miracles. I just wanted all these cool things. But I, I don't want to do, do what you're saying because that's too hard. And, you know, for young people in this city, I think he's calling us to that same level. He's not saying when you're 18 or when you're 25 and you're older and you're mature and you're working and, and you're, you're doing life, then you, can, then you can have my hard teaching. He's actually saying, no, I want you to get to know me now. And uh, I'm, I'm so sick of 
selling young people yourselves short. I, I don't want us to be sold short. We need to know him. We need to get to know him. We need to want to know him. And um, we need to ask him for this living water. We need to ask him for this living food that endures for eternal life. And uh, I guess what we've been seeing more and more on Friday nights is we've been listening and obeying. So often that'll look like, oh, we're not having someone preach tonight because God's moving here. I love what you guys are doing. And just that last song, um, Let Our Passion Bring You Fame. I, I reckon your guys' passion is going to bring him fame in the heart <laughs> wider in this city, in this country, if we're really passionate about him, not just on a Friday night, but truly want to know him, truly want all of what he has for us now, not later on, but now. And his teaching's hard, but man, he gives us his Holy Spirit. He gives us his teaching and his word. He gives us the Father who just says, Son, daughter, you can do it, man. You can do it. So it's hard, but it's so worth it. He doesn't want us to go around in this justified state. And I'm not saying tonight that we are, but man, I look at, I look at the stats for, um, for Wellington. There's 33,000 high school age students in Wellington. And I, I tried to add up, add a guess how many might be in youth ministry or in church. And I reckon it might be like 2,000, two, two and a half, 3,000 at, at a push. So I'm like, there's 30,000 people your age that just don't know him. And I, I wonder why. And I'm like, God, I so want to see young people come to know you in the powerful, transformational way that I've seen you just encounter so many young people's lives. Um, but I don't want them to give up. I don't want them to turn away. I don't want them to fall away. And so um, I guess what I want to bring to you not tonight is the invitation that I feel God has um, invited us into. And I don't know if you've already been um, speaking about this stuff, but it's, this is a process for uh, what he calls sanctification. Uh, we had Kirk the old youth pastor here come and speak to us. And he's a, he's a ninja, eh? The guy's awesome. And uh, he spoke on justification, just as if I've never sinned. And the next part of that, so we receive, we receive salvation. We thank you, Lord, that you sent your son to pay the price. They died on the cross to pay for my sin. What next? That's not where it stops. He invites us into this process. He invites us into this relationship. Why? To get to know him more. Why? To, to understand his ways, to understand his teaching, to lead more people to him. Why? And, uh, and I don't think I've seen the bigger picture yet, but I think I've seen glimpses of it. And... I think he's wanting to invite young people. He's wanting to invite all people, but young people especially, this generation, this, this time, like now, he's wanting to invite us now to go, okay, I'm ready to get serious. I'm ready to go after this living water, this living bread that will fuel me to run the race well, to go after you.
for everything that you have on offer for me. So I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense. But honestly, it's such a privilege to be here with you guys. Really feel privileged to be here. And um, can I invite you up? And then we just thought we'd just spend some time praying for you guys if you want it. I'm just going to pray now. and um, Yeah, we, we, we are honored to be here. And uh, we really do feel like God is doing amazing work um, in people's lives and, and in the, the youth of New Zealand's lives. And um, we're eager to see what, what is going to come about. Um, but I, I personally believe and feel convicted that, you know, God is going to... Um, actually use young people as an example of purity and power and that it's the example of young people that's going to speak to the nations and I believe this with everything and um, but what gets us to that point of purity and power is obedience and faith and staying very close to his heart and I so agree that song that we sung earlier it's um, I really felt like the spirit moved and was just affirming that um, as as we draw closer to him, we start looking more like him, and we start burning, and we become a light, reflecting Jesus. And you know that's that's the best evangelism is to look like Jesus. We don't need to go handing out. Well, I mean that's good stuff too, tracks and all the rest. But if we can reflect Jesus, if we can go after obtaining his nature every day of our lives and allowing him to transform us um, it's naturally going to speak out to a world that doesn't know him and uh, 